0: artificial intelligence, which would, would be the core of such a self-driving vehicle. Uh, what is a key limitation at the moment is the, uh, the lack of being able to anticipate. AI can, to a very limited extent, anticipate on, on future events. And we humans are so good at that, right? That's why we can drive to Amsterdam, to Milan, to Paris, because we know how the world around us is behaving. And we have very, yeah, we still have a lot of difficulty to put, it, put that common sense knowledge in AI. You're listening to Building the Future, a
1: podcast by Cadence Science Partner. And my name is Rudy van Beurden. In this podcast, I meet innovators, trailblazers and bright minds who are busy building the future. Fully autonomous driving on public roads is possible in the future. Cars are taking over more and more tasks from drivers. Think of parking or driving on the highway. So technically, a lot is already possible. But driving through a busy city with a lot of crowds and traffic often turns out to be quite difficult for these smart cars. Imagine, if suddenly a child crosses the road, should the car continue, or swerve, endangering the driver? And so there are many other challenging questions when it comes to fully autonomous driving. In this episode of Building the Future, we look for answers at TUE campus here in Eindhoven, in the middle of the famous Brainport region. Well gentlemen, here we are, a warm welcome to all of you. To the left of me, Olaf Opdenkamp, senior consultant at TNO, the research center. Also, we've got Professor Maarten Steinbuch, Scientific Director of Eindhoven Engine. And we have Gijs Dubbelman, Head of Mobile Perception Systems Lab at TUE, and as well the CTO of AI Emotion, aka AIIM. Good day to all of you. Thank you. Hi. How are you doing, Gijs? Good, good. Yeah? Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Our pleasure. Did you participate before in a podcast?
0: No. Yeah, well, not in one of the podcasts of uh, of this series, but uh, I've done podcasts before, indeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm very eager to start a discussion here with, uh, with the colleagues in the automotive uh, uh, domain.
1: Definitely, because th- th- actually the three of you know each other here from the region, from Absolutely. the Eindhoven region, Helmond region, the automotive campus. Definitely, we will have plenty of time talking about that. But first, we just actually want to kickstart it with the statement that I mentioned before, and it goes as follows: Fully autonomous driving on public roads is possible in the future.
2: Let me first take your positions on this, starting off with Olaf. Do you agree yeah, or it, disagree? It is it is really a difficult, difficult question to uh, to answer. A difficult statement to to make. There's so much effort put into it, but. My first impression is that I, I
3: tend to disagree with this one. Thank you. Maarten, what about you? I think in the far future, this is possible. However, I think it's the wrong question. And we will come back to that later, I think. So, agree or disagree? I agree. All right.
1: And then Gijs? Yes, I also agree with, uh,
0: with the statement.
1: Right. So we've got a few d- agrees and also one disagree. Let's start over. You, Olaf, you are a senior consultant at TNO. You research a lot of autonomous driving. Do tests as well, isn't it?
2: Yeah, what I actually do, I, I develop safety assessment methods and tools. So we look to how safe is it for a vehicle or for a vehicle system to de- be deployed on the road. Uh, I do that for TNO. Uh, let's say for the authorities in in Europe and the the industry in Europe. I also work part-time in in, in Singapore. I'm seconded by TNO at the uh, University, the Technical University of uh, of Singapore, also helping there um, in in supporting and building a safety assessment framework to help the authorities to decide whether it's safe to put a highly autonomous vehicle on on the road. And so far... Um, it, we are getting there in the safety assessment but we have not been able to have a successful uh, let's say uh, deployment of an autonomous vehicle yet
1: mm-hmm. And with your experiences in Singapore they actually also peek over to the Netherlands, isn't it? Like how are we doing it yeah, over that, here? Yeah,
2: that, that's that's true They, they, they focus at, at what they call uh, level 4 so that's highly automated uh, driving on, on a dedicated uh, area um, and the advantage that Singapore has is that it, it's a small island uh, uh, country, uh, and th- th- they don't depend with their traffic system regarding the, the, their neighboring uh, countries. They're very knowledgeable, um, they focus a lot on, on technology, so I do understand their their need uh, to go to uh, autonomous driving and their capability of, of uh, doing so. At the same time they look in, indeed to um, uh, to the Netherlands uh, looking to the ecosystems that we built here in, in the Netherlands to to uh, let's say have an open dialogue between authorities at one hand the industry between the research organizations and the academia uh, to really make that step in 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 technology that mm-hmm. is uh, that is needed uh, and they they also look to um, actually the, the uh, Europe as a, as a whole, um, mm. because we don't make that leap to go to a highly autonomous driving. We, we take it more as an evolution through several uh, levels. Yeah. And, and th- they really would like to learn
1: from that. Definitely. All right. Well, then let's open the discussion here at the very table. As someone who took the leap, Martin, is you. Because years and years ago, you took the leap from driving a Renault Kangoo. Yes. To a bright <laughs> new, shiny, bright red Tesla Model S. Yes, one yes. of the first ones, actually, yeah. in the Netherlands. Yeah.
3: Do you still own this car? Not the same one. Uh, I have now a, a Model 3, mm-hmm. uh, which is a smaller car. More convenient if you go to uh, parking places in the Netherlands. Uh, and it's also fine for us, a smaller car. I, 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 I uh, took it while driving from my city where I live to uh, to this campus on the on TU the Eindhoven side. Today. Today, and I, I also used my lane-keeping system and my my uh, autopilot, as they call it. But still, every 30 or 45 seconds, I need to move the steering wheel. So the idea is that you keep the steering wheel. And, and why does Tesla require that? Because uh, uh, the legislation, but also the car itself, it is not 100% fully capable of of understanding all things which which might happen mm-hmm. around the car having said that hey, last week I was I was on a on a short holiday in the south of France and uh, France and we we drove 1200 kilometers mm-hmm. uh, along the route du Soleil and and almost the whole journey I I utilized the autopilot and it's on really the highway. Conven- on the highway it's really convenient and even on certain. Uh, parts of the road, there were so many other traffic uh, uh, users that I could easily uh, sleep for, say, 15 minutes or so. No problem with yeah. the c- current technology. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, and we heard um, Olaf mentioning the levels already. So, yes. there are certain levels. Can you just, in a nutshell, give us, me as a dummy as yeah. well? What are it, the it all
3: depends on what is your role as a driver. Okay. If you continuously uh, uh, have to drive your own car, it's basically level one. Okay. Uh, if the car helps you in in uh, with safety, then you can go to level two,
1: which is lane keeping
3: or sensors. Yeah, and, and braking. If there is another car in front of you which is braking, etc. Um, then so subsequently, if you go to higher levels, and the highest level is level five, and if you are talking about autonomous driving, fully autonomous driving, we typically. Uh, think about level five. That is, mm-hmm. this, this, th- those Google cars. No steering wheel anymore. You can sit uh, the other way around. You can sleep in the car. Uh, you should not necessarily need a driving permit. No, not at all. Okay. Uh, and and in fact, if you look to uh, to modern uh, uh, airports, then often from the parking. Uh, places Mm -hmm. towards the terminal, there might be something which is called a level five autonomous car, but it can only drive on that location. Ah. So that same vehicle is not allowed to drive and it's not even able to drive on a, on a crowded place inside an inner city. Um, So
1: that's level five.
3: Yeah, so if, if a car would be completely autonomous and can decide everything uh, according to what it sees uh, and you don't need any driver interference anymore, that's called Level 5. Yeah, I,
2: if, I, that, if that shuttle would, would be capable of moving outside its its dedicated uh, uh, yeah. lane and really go to, uh, uh, instead of uh, keeping being on, on Schiphol, but really would go to the inner city of Amsterdam, then that would be a Level yeah. 5 system.
3: Yeah. Okay, yeah, and yeah. so I, uh, around the statement I said, in the far future it might be possible but I think it's the wrong question and 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 what I mean with this is that uh, in the public media there's often this this talk or this notion about autonomous driving but mm-hmm. it, the ball game is not about autonomous driving the ball game is to make safe vehicles and safe mobility yeah and yeah. this technology in all these levels they help enormously to reduce the amount of injuries in yeah in that should be the goal and if we are Utilizing level three or four, that even already helps an enormous amount to reduce those yeah. those casualties. Yeah. That is the ball. The, the, that's the ball game. Yeah. yeah, guys, I yeah. see you
0: nodding. Yeah. No, I fully agree with that one. I think uh, even very simple uh, technology can already uh, reduce traffic accidents. And you don't, we don't le- need level four or five for, for right. even, or even level three for that. Just for instance, uh, uh, this new uh, intelligent speed uh, uh, assist that is coming. That in an inner city, you cannot drive your vehicle. Uh, faster than, let's say, 50 or 80 kilometers per hour. Mm -hmm. That is, of course, already an immense uh, safety feature. Because it's a bit crazy that you can now buy a car and drive 120 kilometers per hour uh, through uh, the city of uh, Amsterdam Mm -hmm. eh? over de grachten. So that is a bit uh, bit, uh, of a a crazy situation. So I fully agree there with Maarten. And and, and this level five, it's, it's basically you can drive the same car, fully autonomous, everywhere, Anytime. Yeah. And that is kind of no system is perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of a utopia mm-hmm. to reach that. But I think we can can come sufficiently close to harvest all the benefits of autonomous driving and that's for society. And that's that's what matters basically.
1: And that's something you actively work on as being the CTO working on AI in motion?
0: Yeah, well, so there are two two heads here. Mm-hmm. So one is uh, indeed the principal in- investigator of the Mobile Perception Systems Lab where we research perception te- technology. So that is allowing a vehicle or a robot to see the environment around it and also understand that environment. Mm-hmm. That, that is very important. At AI Motion, uh, we are a very, let's say, focused startup. We actually focus more towards the robotics domain. So the AGVs. AGVs work more in confined areas. So it's all easier, right? closed environments. What's an AGV? Uh, automated guided vehicle uh. and uh, we want to make them more autonomous and then we, you would call them uh, AMR autonomous mobile robot right so we want to go from AGVs to AMRs but that is that has that is still level 4 because it's all confined it's conditioned environments you can educate the people that, that work there to know what to do with the AGV yeah. or AMR but you cannot do that with the entire society yeah. so yeah ja, In time, you might be able to do that, but not uh, in, uh, let's say, the foreseeable short future.
1: So combined into you as being a person, these two functions you already address, like all these various routes we can now take within this team of autonomous driving. What we've seen in previous episodes of this very podcast as well, they are big, vast themes and topics. What should be the course uh, for this very uh, episode? What should we uh, discuss? Like the technology, ethics, like the end user. Is it maybe
3: policy done by countries? Well, I think what is important is that that we realize ourselves that we are living in a very interesting time frame, where things really, really uh, are changing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the automotive sector is changing more these years than the, the than than the last one hundred years. Mm-hmm. And there are two basic effects, that's electrification of all vehicles, and that's uh, to become a smart uh, system. And and I often call an, an, uh, a car an iPad on wheels. Mm-hmm. And this goes so rapidly now that, that my prediction is that between, say, minus five years, five years ago, things started really, up to the next five years, all the hardware changes will be realized in cars. So so Due to the law of Moore, the doubling of computing power for the same cost every 18 months, I predict that in five years from now, you can really buy the cheapest car and it will have eight cameras, eight radars, and maybe even eight uh, solid-state LiDARs. Yeah, all the cars will have it. In five years from now, it will be so cheap that all cars will have it. Even the smaller budget ones. Yeah. And and the interesting thing is that after that, there will be a lot of improvements, but it will be solely done by software updates. Yeah. Because the hardware is already there, yeah. so I think in this time frame where we are living now in 2021 minus five years plus five years, this is the ten years where things will change in the automotive sector with respect to hardware. Yeah. So if some and, and again, eh, next after after five years from now, I think a lot of software still will be. Uh, uh, Important, hey? all the work Gijs is doing and also Olaf is doing about implementation of better uh, software, uh, learning, etc. etc. It will be all implementable on the hardware platforms we will have within a few years yeah. for all cars.
1: So th- that's being said about the mobility sector, actually. So if someone is listening, doing something entirely different and wants to make a career change, these upcoming five years are exciting. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. yeah.
2: But I also think that we should manage expectations. I mean, um, it's really worth the effort that we put in in, uh, autonomous driving, automated driving, um, all over the world, because it has a promise. And the promise is that we will be able to get to a mobility system that's all inclusive. The people really, in a comfortable way, in a very safe way, in a clean way, will be able to travel from any point A to any point B. However, the, to get there is really difficult. And indeed, I think that um, automation in, the, in vehicles will uh, be able to decrease on the number of uh, errors that humans can make, of course. That's the, the largest source. Mm-hmm. By doing that, we implement systems, and we really should be very careful that we are able to implement systems that do not create any new errors. Yeah. So and I think that's one of the big challenges that we uh, that we face, especially in that changing environment uh, where all these variations, there are so many um, variations out there.
3: Hey Olaf, do you think that's a hardware problem or a software problem?
2: I think uh, indeed uh, 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 you you discussed hardware, I I indeed think it's a a
3: software problem. Software, that's interesting. eh? Because Uh, that means also if you think about the the type of skills we need from from engineers. New generations. If you see as well. a shift towards those, Coding the digital side, where there are there are so many jobs in the future, because yeah. the software then, updates will be crucial.
1: Yeah, I think. software updates indeed. So existing cars can actually yeah.
0: improve. Yeah, but also mainly of course the the artificial intelligence, which would would be the core of such a self-driving vehicle. Uh, What is a key limitation at the moment is the uh, the lack of being able to anticipate. AI can, to a very limited extent, anticipate on, on future events. And we humans are so good at that. Right, that's why we can drive to Amsterdam, to Milan, to Paris, because we know how the world around us is behaving, and we have very, yeah, we still have a lot of difficulty to put that, put that common sense knowledge in AI, mm-hmm. and that's maybe a kind of weird uh, um, contradiction because we have AI that can beat world champions in chess and in Go, but something simple as driving a car safely is still, still something that we cannot achieve with AI. Yeah, exactly. So th- this is also, of course, something that, yeah, we need to invest in. And also our university and TNO, we are heavily investing in, in these AI programs. Yeah. yeah. Can you, in a nutshell, explain me something about this AI? Because when I see
1: your job title, CTO of AI, yeah. that's like the, the, the most difficult combination of letters. <laughs> I like, I think you should be very smart. I think you are. You did your yeah. Master of Science Cum Laude at the University of Amsterdam. That is correct, But yeah. now you are the CTO of AI.
0: AI emotion, how does it work, this whole AI? Well, so let me, let me explain, let, let, let's, let's follow the data. So first you have the sensor. The mm-hmm. sensor provides basically meaningless data, just uh, ones and zeros, right? So a pixel in an image or a reflection from radar. The first step is typically perception. So, taking that meaningless sensor data and turning it into meaningful sensor data. So now, okay, these pixels are a human, a car, and so on and so to on. Label it with something. Yeah, to automatically label it. Then the next step is typically tracking and uh, uh, um, let's say uh, prediction. Where uh, so where was everybody going in the past up till now? Can I then predict where everybody will be going in the future? And on basis of that, you're going to build multiple hypotheses. Uh, of things that can happen, and then you are yeah then you need to make plans and decisions and 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 that 's where the antip- anticipation comes in, mm-hmm. so yeah you no, know, having multiple hypotheses of on what everybody's doing in the future, how can i smartly decide my own plans, my course of action to to be safe and to keep also uh, everybody else safe uh, obviously. And this is kind of a little bit the part of AI and then at the moment you you decide what you're going to do then then it's again back to the hardware uh, uh, break or uh, turn uh, to get uh, the signals. Gees,
3: why why do you think it it seems to be almost insolvable as you put it? Because my my car uploads its data every few seconds. And there are now 100,000 cars and more around the world who are doing that every second. So isn't there enough data to also support this third phase, this anticipation phase? Yeah,
0: I think the data uh, will be there in the future. And of course, companies like Tesla, they are already crowdsourcing all that uh, data. But it's also interesting to consider that we humans, we learn to, to drive, or we learn the skills that are important to drive already when we are a baby. We yeah, already yeah. learn how objects are approaching us. Is this safe or unsafe? Yeah. Yeah. Simply by bumping our head on a yeah. table. And or that uh, data, of Dodge course, Ford. is
3: not learned by cars themselves.
0: No, no. But, but as yeah. you build up that, that, yeah. that data, real data, but also mix it in with Uh, Yeah, let's say um, supportive tasks like uh, from simulation, where you simply learn the AI how things move through the world. That, uh, as we humans do from childhood on, I think that can be a big uh, uh, win. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. but I I can also imagine
1: because we can get there like far, far steps, and now you're in (coughs) a challenging phase of AI, what you said, uh, Gijs. But I can imagine that there will be some sort of zones like highways, for example, where it can be possible, just like quitting smoking sometimes you can't do it here and here in buildings and now here at the university of technology it's a smoke-free campus like you can never smoke so you can scale it up or is this something that's happening in the world like are there
3: some do do you know this Olaf? maybe because in singapore i remember that there was also a project that they had remote drivers or yeah. so. Is that still a project? Then? It's still a project.
2: Um, and Actually, what they, they organize is a safety driver. So there is some kind of fallback system in, in the vehicle. If the vehicle indicates this is a situation that I, I'm i not able to interpret it, in, interpret well, uh, there will be a safety driver that, that might take over... Um, and a control. safety driver is sitting it's somewhere remote. else in a yeah, building yeah. It's, it's, and is just it's, watching the car. It's watching the car and taking and it, it over it the controls. Get, get the signal of the car. Uh, the car says, well, this is a situation becomes difficult for me. Wow. Please help me. Then and then you have he's to be very,
3: a, really fast. Hey?
1: Yeah. Mm. They've got a joystick or something. or A steering wheel yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting, eh? Yeah. So
2: this is happening right now. This is happening right now, yeah. yeah. As, research, eh? as research, as research. As research. Okay, and uh, okay. also, let's say, the application uh, will not easily be on, on uh, public roads, but mainly in, in closed environments so where crates, you where you have, loops. let's say, multiple vehicles that drive autonomously and then can ask for additional control.
0: Not only in Singapore, but also here and. the... Brainport uh, region with the automotive campus. We we have exactly such a project, 5G Mobics, where it's all about teleoperation and also handover. Uh, you need good uh, communication uh, infrastructure for that, the f- upcoming 5G, mm. which will have multiple 5G providers. And what if, what if a vehicle drives from one 5G provider to uh, the other? You need, yeah. Yeah, you, ne- you need to have so much technology in place in order to facilitate that uh, reliably in, uh, in the public, public domain.
1: Now you say so. I now remember all of a sudden like a bus going to the airport in the early zeroes. Following the dots in the road, yeah, yeah. but like on the first day, the he ran into a building instead. You mean the
3: Filias yeah. bus here in Eichel Yeah, I guess not? so, yeah. Uh, and, and then they, yeah, but this one had really markers, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah.
1: then they had to some put some a driver sort of. on it eventually yeah. because yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. it was a little bit too early. But already yeah.
3: in the 80s, there was a Mercedes-Benz, I think, driving from Germany to Denmark completely autonomous. Oh, wow, yeah, it's like 40 years ago, yeah, yeah. And the whole ball game is how to make it such uh, that it can be robust and also on places where there are not conditioning and there are not people behind which can yeah. take the wheel. Uh, so you 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 are asking: Are there conditions under which we sh- we might see it earlier? I I personally think that on the highways mm-hmm. between five and ten years we can see autonomous driving possibilities. Happening. because already now with my car uh, it it does. 98% of the time, it, it does it perfectly correct. 98, and only 2% it's still learning and and breaking when it should not break, etc.
1: So theoretically, y- you could use it.
3: I, I think, yeah, like yeah, and, and I think the, the 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 future software upgrades in my car will enable me to to, if the legislation as al- allows it, then that I can drive autonomously on the highway, eh? Yeah,
1: yeah. To announce so I can sleep then for actually, 15 minutes
3: or 30 minutes. Yeah, power nap. Actually, when you look to the
2: UN ECE regulation, international regulation for uh, uh, for traffic, they allow uh, a, re- a regulation for uh, what they call an automatic lane keeping system level three, and there you are allowed at least to take your hands off the of the steering wheel and of course there are several tests uh, to indicate when the driver needs to be uh, taken back into uh, into control which is one of the big challenges i think also for that uh, system so how Healthless. to organize transfer back of control to a human mm-hmm. i mean uh, that that's a really uh, uh, difficult uh, why question why is it to difficult answer.
3: because it takes time but it, ta- uh, it
2: takes time and it depends on the state of the driver i mean if i doze off because I'm, I'm, I don't have to pay attention uh, to the environment. And yeah. I doze off, and and at a certain moment, you have to be um, immediately alert. I, I, me, yeah, it, it's well, in, yeah. in my
3: experience. I know exactly when my car is going to do something which is not meant to be. Suppo- uh, for instance, it drives perfectly on the road, and if there is an... Uh, an oprit how do you call it in English An entrance an, to an the entrance highway. yeah and if there is then a, a, a car which drives slower than me mm-hmm. and I am just driving then it starts to break mm-hmm. and it shouldn't because as a human I would never do that yeah, yeah. but after uh, a, a thousand kilometers I know this so when when this is going to happen I see that and I put my my uh, foot on the, on the on the um, on the the, the pedal oh, yeah. Uh, not the accelerator, the uh, pedal uh, but uh, the current pedal, so to speak. Uh, so as to compensate for the braking of my car. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, yeah, but that, so you, you but that's what ex- conditions it, could there it, be which are so in, fast? In a way,
2: way you're learning the expected. Yeah. And and it's the unexpected. Yeah, Such as that on the that highway? That, that, that will happen on a, on a highway as, as, as well. And at least, I mean... Um, but how often does it... It, it, that's that's the trick that we need to uh, determine how, what is the risk that is remaining yeah. if we look to also the unexpected the edge cases that that, yeah. uh, that, that yeah, the edge cases yeah and and yeah. I, I don't say that we only should look to edge cases that's certainly not not the case we yeah. should look to total the, the total driving, yeah. Yeah. but edge cases will appear, yeah, and we, we know that. So
1: and now you put it like that, Olaf. Someone in the near future sh- should have to sign on on that, like on a policy matter as well. That, that's and exactly
2: who, who is this person that, and who's that, that, willing
1: I, to take this risk? I mean,
2: at, at one hand, the 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 industry takes a huge responsibility in 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 making safe vehicles, yeah, because that's that's their in, in, in intention in in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the Authorities take a big responsibility in allowing certain systems to go on the on the road, and these highly technological systems are, are difficult to understand. I mean, if you if you look to who is uh, uh, looking to it, uh, uh, really thousands and thousands of people. Uh, uh, 10,000 of people developing uh, these type of systems. Mm-hmm. So we ask from authorities to get an understanding to make sure that a vehicle can be allowed on the, on the road. And that, that is another challenge that I, that I see. How do we prove in, in a way, in, in, in clear, understandable terms, that an AI system that might well be capable of dealing with a, l- a lot of different situations, that it is capable of dealing with these situations in all the varieties that are out there. Yeah. I, both Maarten and
1: Geiser are nodding right now because it's quite a big question to ask a certain government <laughs> or authorities to actually sign off uh, on
3: it. Yeah. I, I, I do like the, the Dutch approach where we try to have explainable and responsible AI. Mm-hmm. So, so there is a certain uh, uh, movement within the the four technical universities of the Netherlands to take the lead in in thinking about how to develop AI such that it is always explainable, all right, and also responsible. And I think that can help to actually, yeah, design software such that you can sort of prove to the authorities what what the box is. And more practically,
1: works. you can then always argument why you made a certain choice or something, or why you You can describe
3: it. at least how the AI will react. Okay, because you
1: know it through and through? Yeah. Yeah. What do you now thinking, uh, it's a, it's guys? It's a bit of
0: a <laughs> thi- philosophical statement maybe, but if we want to kind of harvest the benefits of AI at that level, or let's like say human, human levels of, of, of AI, maybe we should also then accept that there will be limits towards, uh, let's say, explainability and transparentness. Just as we, as humans, you go to uh, uh, the RDW, you do a driver exam of, what is it, 45 minutes, yeah. and then we say, hey, it's safe. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they will never do that with AI, that AI, AI drives 45 minutes with some simple tests, and they no, say, oh, no. yeah, it's safe, go. So yeah. so <laughs> it, it will be, I, I really don't have the but answer. You're there, actually but. now saying, if
1: I may be as free as I can be, like you're now saying, now we make it possible for millions of people to enter cars and to participate in traffic and by doing so there is so much potential for risk for for accidents whatsoever and obviously you want to have ai which is far far better which will never will result in it's
3: not only potential but there are per year 1.2 million death in traffic worldwide Hmm. every year 1.2 million And and the major cause is the human itself.
1: Yeah, so if you could only limit that with 10% or with 50%? But
3: but from research, we know that we accept a technical error, a failing system. We accept that about 10% of the fact that we accept human failure. Uh, So we need to make a reduction of the number of casualties with about 90%. And then we assess the the technology development as similar to human
2: exactly we're also thinking about uh, how good do we want a car to be what mm-hmm. is actually the reference that we that we uh, that we take and and yeah 1.2 million uh, fatalities uh, a, a year uh, it's it's worldwide in the Netherlands it's about two uh, every day yep. and it's about 100 million kilometers that we drive so in mm-hmm. at one hand the yep. human is very good in 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 Dealing with with small triggers on the, on the road and negotiating without yeah. just with an eye blink, yeah. uh, so and, and that will be the difficulty. So how to overclass uh, the human yeah. in, in in a way, and, and the, I mean explainable. Uh, I think is is, uh, is one hand, but also um, uh, having that that dialogue between industry, authorities, and and uh, R and D academia on on getting a better understanding what is the challenge what do we accept uh, i mean a, and it's it's in, in a way i think even an ethical discussion yeah.
3: i think that also shows nicely why we are participating in this podcast of Cadence, because um, we are here sitting in the in the in the building of Cadence at the tv at campus and we are here also uh, me i'm the scientific director of eindhoven engine and gijs is participating uh, with his project also within eindhoven engine uh, I've been uh, uh, doing work closely related also with the automotive campus where uh, Olaf uh, is situated with TNO. I strongly believe that that this requires all these societal challenges require that that various disciplines come together. Alpha, Beta, mm-hmm. Gamma, and legislation, perception, human perception. Then you need people from engineering but also from psychology, and they speak a different language. If you add ethics to it to the table, then you have Again, a completely different uh, understanding. So it's so important that we more and more in in, in this complex world meet at collocations and that we together innovate and... and, and, and yeah. Do the right things for the better of the world to get with other parties. In that sense, it's 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 really nice that we are sitting here in this building, which is completely yeah. renovated now. Also, fair point. And in the few
1: episodes that I have done up until so far, that I see in other topics as well that it's becoming increasingly complex, like more fields of expertise yeah. are needed to come up with sustainable answers. Actually, yeah. but yeah. maybe this is slowing down the process as well, guys, isn't it? Is some Psychological team is going to <laughs> interfere now you're with you. touching upon <laughs> a hot <laughs> topic? I would <laughs>
0: say about this oh, interdisciplinary yeah? research, uh, especially because yeah, the, the the funding pie is limited. So, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, is it slowing down? Maybe yes, but of course we cannot uh, have unsafe systems in our world. So, Not at all. Uh, so and we need to think about what we indeed want. Uh, um, so I fully understand that this is also needed, but there always needs to be a balance. Eh? And, and, and sometimes the balance shifts a bit to the left, and then we go to the right again and to the left. And as, as long as on average we stay nicely in the middle and focused, I think uh, the things, yeah, things will, will uh, turn out for the better. Um, but I would also like to come back on what, what Olaf was saying, because maybe uh, the, the AI doesn't have to be as good as a human is. Uh, but AI will always be vigilant. It will always be awake, always will be focused. And a lot of human errors are caused by not paying attention. Yeah. For example, so I- even if maybe on average the AI is a not, or maybe as good as a, as a bad driver because it's always paying attention, it might even be uh, on the casualty level even be better. Yeah. But uh, it's hard to it's hard to predict, hard to say how that will how that will play out. But yeah. And
1: what Marc said before, even if we expect it, you know, when a machine is actually driving, it should at least be 10 times better yeah. than... Yeah. An average driver is.
0: in certain conditions, you can also say it's maybe a temporary problem because as soon as all vehicles are automated, yeah, anticipation becomes super simple because yeah. you know, okay, that's that model, it has that, that software, I know exactly what it will do. Yeah, so it's only in situations actually where, where humans are also acting, those are the most difficult. We should ones. Make, make them
1: out of the mobility system, yeah,
0: yeah. But on highway, you just, can maybe do
1: just it, stay but not home in a, like no, we not did in a during city. the
3: pandemic,
1: just <laughs> let your car
3: drive up and. If the, if, if the world mobility would only be cars, then it would be simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but you have bicyclists and, and all kind of modalities. Yeah. And other people yeah. are using the public space. You yeah.
2: just cannot afford to have separated bike lanes everywhere. And you keep on having pedestrians. Yeah. So, and
3: yeah. Yeah. But however, the thing that, that Geist touched upon is the, the connected mobility. And that's uh, a thing where we in the Netherlands, especially here in the region, especially also TNO and the TU Eindhoven, are very committed to. Connected mobility means that you are not connected to internet, but to each other. Yeah. So if can if cars can talk to other road users, yeah. could be other cars or uh, trucks or bicyclists, yeah. then uh, you can really make a safe system. Yeah. Because even uh, if you, you you might not see each other via a yeah. camera, but you can talk to each other via Wi-Fi, yeah. via, via uh, connectedness then you can really, really prevent a lot of accidents. Because, Olaf,
1: this is something you did, I guess, back in 2016, isn't it? Like with junctions where yeah. cars were approaching each other and then there was a certain s- central pole or something and that was communicating with the approaching yeah. car. Actually,
2: we, we, we made a car look around the corner. Mm-hmm. So there is a camera uh, directed into a, a side street and it, it saw an approaching uh, cyclist. It's a, it's a very well-known, uh, uh, difficult Scenario to deal with for for a vehicle to have yeah. suddenly a, a bicyclist coming from the right and and, and entering the street, mm. entering its its trajectory, and actually by by having this infrastructure, uh, making the car aware there's a cyclist uh, approaching, it's it's easy, it's really easy for a vehicle to deal with that, yeah. and it's it's make, making a vehicle anticipate much better. No negotiation uh, uh, needed. Yeah. Uh, and then, then yeah, if you but of course, again, you have to have kind of regulations on how to do that, because if the, <laughs> if the cyclist has a prior, priority in, in principle, but it says, "Well, okay, I'm being detected by, uh, by a camera." so yeah. I'm,
3: I'm yeah. <laughs> In the Netherlands, we are also quite far with uh, intelligent traffic light systems. So it's already implemented in a lot of uh, uh, cities that if if um, an ambulance is driving, it is connected to the traffic light ah. and it jumps on green ah, when it's notice. approaching. Ah. We are also doing tests also in Helmont with trucks because then they uh, save energy. To, yeah. uh, I, I think down. intelligent uh, traffic lights might be very relevant also to prevent these these uh, yeah. casualties. For instance, if if your bicycle in the future has chips in it with which the bicycle can communicate uh or that the bicycle communicates communicate with you if yeah. you should be aware of things uh, happening yeah that Roaching. that all uh imp- yeah, will improve safety yeah and and it goes far beyond the the simple notion of autonomous driving true, so true. so the fact that all systems become smart that is the key thing which is changing smart and connected that's really the yeah. yeah. A
0: mobility ecosystem that as a whole uh, yeah. Yeah, needs an upgrade Definitely. to really... Uh, and
1: what I've learned in this very episode as well, that you have to have a certain goal with it. You have to have a certain vision. What what do you regard as being safe? What do you regard as, uh, as the limitations? You know, what is possible and what are the risks you're willing to take? Well, gentlemen, time flies when you're having fun and we have to wrap up anytime soon on fully autonomous driving, Maarten, you think it will we will get there in in the future? How in ma-
3: the far future, I already said. What is
1: far future? How many years? Uh,
3: I think uh, in inner cities, uh, 30 years. Not, yeah. not 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 long before. But on the highways, about? I think within five years, I can at least. Uh, do my emails for a certain period of time yeah,
1: yeah. so that's a big distinction and Guys, what do you think
0: yeah I, I roughly agree with that but then again coming back to the beginning I think we can harvest the benefits of all this technology yeah. much earlier and
3: that's far more
2: important
1: yeah even though when there's and Olaf last but not least you were the only one who disagreed with the statement on fully yeah I think driving. We, we, th- th-
2: it has been shared uh, enough I think there will be uh, uh, things to harvest at, at a more uh, short uh, time one thing I, w- I would like to express is that, that this technology area, this, this area of autonomous driving and communication is fun uh, as, as well. I mean, that, that's why things might be uh, accelerated uh, towards the future. And that's also for, let's say, new people in, this, uh, in the environment. We really love to have uh, people that, that look at a at broader uh, perspective, are not, not knowledgeable on all these different areas because it's really fun.
3: And, and we did speak about the, the the 2D uh version but but think about drones and automated drones and taxi drones yeah uh, in this respect i took with me a small present for you i ah. took uh, the booklet i'm uh uh, every week I write with Carlo van der Weijer a column in a financial newspaper about mobility and the future of mobility. Ah, so sweet. there's a Dutch version, Vooruit, and uh, an English version Great. also. Cool. Uh and Cool. And this one contains all the first one and a half year of our columns about mobility and the mobility of the future. And it's about autonomous driving and non-autonomous driving and also flying. Sweet. And, uh, and Thank uh, you. Using your bicycle.
1: So it's called Vooruit, de toekomst van mobiliteit, or in English... Move forward, 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 yeah, forward yeah. the future of mobility. Yes. Thank you very much, Maarten, and as well, Gijs and Olaf. Thanks for uh, stopping by here at the table. Have a safe and pleasant drive, walk, cycle, run, home. Um, this was episode number three. And dear listener, you've listened to Building the Future, a podcast by Kadon Science Partner. And thanks to our guests, Maarten Steinbuch, Scientific Director of Eindhoven Engine, Olaf Obdenkamp, Senior Consultant at TNO, and Gijs Dubbelman, Head of Mobile Perception Systems Lab at TUE, and the CTO of AI in Motion. This episode was recorded at the TUE campus in Eindhoven, and to be more specific, in the MMP building. This is a building from Cadans Science Park. If you want to find out more about this podcast or our guest go to cadans.com slash podcast. Here you'll also learn more about Cadans Science Partner and how it connects innovative organizations and ecosystems throughout Europe, helping them to work on sustainable solutions for the future. And do not forget to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite app so you won't miss our upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening. And my name is Rudy van Beurden.